Welcome to the Selfish Badass Podcast, the show that teaches women how to practice the art of radical self-care. Are you a woman in today's world who is tired of all the pressure? The pressure to feel like you've got to show up and be the best in all the roles you play? It's exhausting, it's overwhelming, and it is a recipe for burnout, my friends. It takes a radical, if not a rebellious act, to be a woman who puts herself first, to be a woman who says no to the pressure, and to put her dreams on the front burner of life. This show is all about unpacking what radical self-care looks like. It's about saying no to the pressure and yes to the good life. Radical self-care is the approach to success, leadership, and living a kick-ass life. I'm your host, certified professional life coach, Krista Resnick, and I'm thrilled that you are joining me on this journey. Let's get started. part of the show where I give you a permission slip to go and do something, something that really adds a lot of value to your life, that adds a sort of purposeful element to your life, something that just brings some joy into your life. And so today, I am granting you permission to bring some calm into your life today. This is going to go along so extraordinarily well with my interview today, but we're not there yet. Get excited about that. But really, calm is an absolute extraordinary superpower that you already have within you, and you might not even know it. You know, the ability to not overreact or to take things personally, the ability to just keep your mind clear and your heart at peace. And yes, Remind yourself that you can get rid of all the stress inside of you created by others, the past, and events that just are out of your control. You can be a conscious witness of your thoughts. You can sit quietly and just witness thoughts passing through you. You don't have to attach to them. You can put your hand on your heart. You can take a few deep breaths. And just notice, not judge, just notice that you just have a thought. The moment that you start to rush to say, well, this is good, this is bad, you've already jumped head first into the stress. So I want to encourage you, first of all, to really remove judgment. Takes time, of course, to create a gap between witnessing your thoughts and reacting to them. But once that gap is there, you are in for a treat, my friends. You are in for a treat because that's when you really start to become an observer of your thoughts. They're not stressing you. They're not influencing you. You are now the teacher. You are now the watcher. And you've now tapped into your superpower. So take it in. Again, hand to heart, breathe deeply, slow and steady, and really just give yourself the gift of that moment of enlightenment, a moment that you become, perhaps for the very first time, a truly free human being. Let this be a reminder today to let the small annoyances go. Pay more attention. Be 
present. And remember, at almost any given moment, the way you feel is the way you choose to feel. And the way you react is the way that you choose to react. You actually have that much power within you. So permission granted, use calm as your superpower. Welcome to the pod today. You are going to be in for a real treat in today's pod. I have with me my friend, Heather Ryder, who is known professionally as something called the energy synergist. I cannot wait to dive into that. Heather is an anxiety specialist who personally overcame high-functioning anxiety while working in a demanding tech job. She works with clients from all over the world who want to take more of a non-traditional holistic approach to healing anxiety. Heather regularly writes and presents on the issues of perfectionism, high-functioning anxiety, and other anxiety-related topics. So welcome to the pod today, Heather. So glad you're here. Yay, I'm excited to uh, chat with you today. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is going to be a really powerful conversation, and I know it's going to help a lot of the women and leaders who are listening. So let's dive in. I'm so curious as to what the energy synergist is all about. Let's start there. Yeah, well, uh, I have uh, yeah an unusual way that I um, got to where I am now, and so my unusual name sort of goes with that, but I do help people who are really ready to shift out of anxiety using different techniques and approaches. And the work that I do is energy work. So I'm working on someone's energy field and their energy system and their energy body and uh, basically helping them remove the root cause and reasons that they have anxiety. So it's like not a Band-Aid sort of approach. It's not a talk therapy sort of approach. It's really like working on fundamental uh, critical reasons that they have anxiety. And so I'm just, you know, made up this name, uh, Energy Synergist, to sort of, uh, yeah, it was a feeling that I had that I really wanted to uh, work on a synergistic approach to helping them. So that's how my name came about. Awesome. And it's it's so cool to hear you say that you're really digging beneath the surface and getting to that root cause so that you can like just pull it out, extract it so that they can move on and not have some of that anxiety lingering a little bit, you know, so that it comes back full force, right? Yeah. I love the word extract. That is great. That is exactly what I would say. Like extraction, we are going to remove it. And so you are unencumbered because you don't have those core reasons um, lingering any longer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about your journey specifically with anxiety and how you ended up, you know, being the energy synergist and now, you know, kind of leading women out of perfectionism and out of, I call it frenetic energy. I'm noticing that a lot, kind of this frenzied, harried, anxious energy. So talk a little bit about your story and what life was like before you were the energy synergist? Yeah, that's a great question. So I didn't know that I had anxiety. Uh, high functioning anxiety is sort of called like a hidden anxiety. It was hidden from me and it was hidden from others. People used to 
tell me really frequently, like, oh, Heather, you're so calm. And I remember thinking, what? Because on the inside, I didn't feel calm at all. Uh, I really, I felt like I was a spaz. And <laughs> I thought that I looked that way to other people on the outside, but I didn't. And so internally, I would think about things that had happened or conversations that I'd had. And I would like replay them over, over, over in my mind, trying to like think, oh gosh, I should have done this differently. Or I should have said that differently. And I'm not just talking about like a normal kind of, oh yeah, you're kind of reevaluating what happened. I mean, for days, sometimes I would think about something that happened, replaying it over and over and over in my mind and being like really critical about you know, my performance or what I said. If I wasn't doing that, I was thinking about the future and worrying and anticipating what was going to happen. And oftentimes like making contingency plans, right? Like setting up these different scenarios, like, oh, if this happens, then I'll do this, but this other thing might happen and that could be a potential outcome. And if that happens, then I'll do this. And so it was just mentally exhausting. And I just thought a lot of the time, like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. I didn't know it was anxiety because I guess I thought anxiety looked a certain way. And I didn't think that was me. Like, I didn't think I fit in that category. So um, I was suffering for, you know, um, probably many years. And it affected my relationships really with my daughters was one, um, one key area of my life where I was not the best mom because I didn't really have much for them and I kind of was treating them pretty poorly. So that was one of the indicators that you became aware of was your relationships were not moving in the direction that you wanted them to go. What are some of the other indicators that you were able to pick up on to know, you know, this is beyond just general worry and a little bit of that harried frenzy energy. Yeah. Well, something major happened and that was, I wound up getting really sick. I had a severe autoimmune reaction um, and it was triggered in part by all of the stress and anxiety I had been under because when you operate that way for a long time, your nervous system eventually just is shot and mine was. And so I, my body said, okay, that's it. We're done. And I wound up getting pretty sick. And so I sort of gave up on conventional medicine at that time. And that is how I eventually wound up doing what I am doing now. Uh, I healed myself uh, using a paleo diet and a lot of supplements um, for about a year. And I did have a noticeable improvement in my health, but after a year, I wasn't all the way better. And I had done everything that I knew how to do on my own. And someone had recommended that I go to see an energy healer along the way. And I didn't know anything about that. Um, But after a year, I was like, gosh, I need to do something. And I am really open-minded. So I was like, oh yeah, I'll go try this thing. Um, And so I went and had a session with a woman and I just had an amazing experience, like amazing, profound experience. And I was like, well, I'm doing more of that. And so I had a couple more sessions and all of that residual body stuff that I had was completely gone. Like I completely healed. And so I just kept doing the work and, um, you know, was still, you know, working my full-time job, but it was like, I had this side sort of life that I was exploring and becoming an energy healer on my own and um, just doing different workshops. And so over the course of really a couple of years, I just knew eventually that I shouldn't be in corporate America anymore, that I really was designed to do a couple of things. And that was, um, be an entrepreneur, but also I really wanted to help women in the way that I was helped because I really found myself like my conversations all the time were taking this very different turn with people. And I was like, gosh, I keep like 
saying specific kind of things and you know it was like oh I'm not supposed to be in this corporate world like I have a very strong you know like pull over in this other direction and so that is who I work with now is primarily women who are really high achievers and uh you know pretend to be competitive in nature they're well educated they have climbed up in their career but they are experiencing anxiety and it's to the point as well with them where they're like oh my gosh their health is suffering or they're too noticing their relationships are suffering or they have insomnia or, you know, just things like that, where they're really dissatisfied with a lot of aspects of their lives. Yeah. So I'm guessing that these women that you work with, the high achievers, we've got some serious perfectionism, probably some people pleasing, uh, proving going on. Yeah, the exactly. <laughs> the three P's. You got them. Yep. A lot of perfectionism, a lot of I'll just work harder. I'll just prove myself more and more. Keep working. I'll do a better, bigger, better job at everything. Um, you know, and oftentimes, of course, they're not proving it to somebody else. They're trying to prove it to themselves, right? Yes. 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 Yeah. Oftentimes that's totally what it is. So I'm hearing you say there was a lot of ruminating going on there was a lot of future focused exactly. thoughts and worries going on a lot of perfectionism with you as well oh yes i we could have a whole podcast about the things that i used to do that were perfectionist in nature that i look back and like oh my gosh yes yeah so looking back if you're able to what were some of the thoughts that you were telling yourself back then or what are some of the thoughts that your clients tell themselves on a daily basis before they enter the work with you? Yeah, it's so interesting because really I think there is um, a lack of self-awareness. And so I don't know if they know what they're telling themselves and I don't know if I necessarily knew what I was telling myself either, right? It was, it's interesting because I did know like in terms of work, I had always produced great work. I had always produced great work in school. I was one of those kids where, um, I'm not saying I never had to work in school, but I knew how to like do school and I would do projects and just work, work, work on them and they would be stellar. And then I, you know, took that on into the work world where it's like everything I would do would be like revise, edit, recheck, you know, and I would turn in amazing things and got really great results. And then of course, if you're at work and you get feedback, that like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This work that you did that only reinforces all the ways in which you just got there, right? So yeah. then you keep doing the things that you were doing and you're given that feedback of, oh, this must be what I'm supposed to operate under. So yeah, I don't think that people really, um, I, I definitely understand your question, but I would say that's why people have anxiety is they don't get what's underneath. They don't know what's driving it. So they don't even know about the internal dialogue, what they're, what they're having with themselves or what's propelling them or, you know, being like almost compulsive sometimes for the reasons that they're doing the things. They are finally willing to realize, well, there must be something else going on. They just don't know what it is yet. Yeah. So, so I'm hearing you say maybe for a lot of people with this, high, high anxiety, it's probably more of a feeling rather than stopping and analyzing their thoughts. Yeah, exactly. It's like a real discontent and like being like really dissatisfied uh, with their, yeah, the way they feel physically or that they're seeing themselves in relationships that they know are suffering, either their marriage or, you know, boyfriend, or oftentimes it's kids and they're recognizing like, oh my gosh, 
I, I know something's going on with me. I can see some evidence of that, but I don't really understand what it is. Yeah. And so for you, it literally was like this huge pivotal moment, this, this massive wake up call where you actually had a physical autoimmune um, issues. But for a lot of your women that are working in corporate America, what's the final straw that you're, you're sort of seeing where they, they finally say something's off. I can't, I can't do this. And that's when you get the the email in your inbox. Yeah. I mean, it is a combination of, um, I would say two types. There are people that I've worked with who have also gotten sick in various ways. So that is one of them. And then the other one is something that's so, um, really obvious to them, like maybe the insomnia, which yes, that's a body thing too, but not the same as like having an illness, right? Where it's like, they may, uh, I'm just trying to think back to different things that I've heard. Some people um, experience brain fog. It's like they kind of shut down in the middle of work. They're, they have trouble making decisions. I've heard that multiple times. It's like, they're so overloaded. They get so anxious. It's like they freeze and they have a lot of difficulty. Like, oh gosh, I know I'm supposed to do this over here, but I can't make a decision. Is it this or this? And so that's something that happens as well. So there usually is some sort of, I guess, body sort of thing that's going on that, but it shows up in different ways if it's not an illness. Yeah. So I hope that makes sense. It makes total sense. And one of the things that I see a lot with my clients, and this is something that I have always struggled with and you just named it was this overthinking and this Mm -hmm. inability to make decisions. So talk a little bit about that and how that really impacts the, the women and the leaders that you work with, how it holds them back? Yeah, well, I mean, there's so much doubt, right? Because they'll be, they'll be at work and they'll be thinking, oh my gosh, this is so simple, right? Like I should, I'm making a decision uh, about, let's, I don't know, let's, I'm going to make something up. They're trying to decide which vendor to use, right? For, for project or something. They've got a couple choices and it's like, they can't, they're like overwhelmed with the decision-making process. So it's like, it should be simple. Like I have all the facts, I have the data, but they're like almost kind of paralyzed. It's like they can't concentrate. Mm. And so then they'll be frustrated with themselves, not understanding why can I not make this decision? And then sometimes they think, oh, I'm not sleeping enough because oftentimes they're not. (laughs) So then I think, oh, I just need another cup of coffee. I know I've already had five, but I'll just go have another one. And that will, you know, help like clear my mind. And so, um, and then they, of course, are really concerned that there is this, when they have that internal sort of brain fog going where they're having difficulty making decisions, then they start to wonder if other people are perceiving them that way. So then they get scared, like, oh my gosh, somebody's going to know that I'm not like with it. I'm not on my A game. I'm not on top of it. So then they start being really, really worried that they're uh, being perceived as, you know, slackers or that they can't handle the job. So then it just, you know, it snowballs into this bigger and bigger thing for them. Yeah. Probably drives them right into something I call the rabbit hole of hell. Ooh. I mean, I haven't heard that, but I could, that sounds like a really great description, (laughs) the rabbit hole of hell. Yeah. Right. It's kind of just one thing after another. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 So, all right. So somebody, somebody comes to you, and where do you even start? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there, there, I'm doing, there's two things that are going on. I mean, one is that I'm actually doing energetic work with them, right? So this is very non-traditional approach where I'm working on their energetic body, but then there's a coaching element that I, that I have. And one of the very first things that people have to do, and this sounds so simplistic, but it's not, is they have to recognize what emotions they are feeling. And to do that, you actually have to have the vocabulary to describe what it is that you're feeling and be aware of all of the emotions that you have in a given day. And so one thing I often give people is this really simple, like three column chart of emotions. So it's an emotional vocabulary chart. And what I tell people to do is print five of them out. And so uh, for five days in a row, at the end of the day, they circle every emotion that they felt that day. And why I like them to print it out is because you're circling emotions, but you're also not circling emotions. So if you have it out on paper, you can see what you're circling, what you're not circling. And at the end of five days, which by the way, I do recommend like at least one of those days be a weekend day you start to see patterns emerge as well. So number one, it's giving you the tools to actually describe what you're feeling. But then number two, you're like, oh my gosh, I am circling this emotion every day. I'm, a I'm apathetic every day. What am I apathetic about? You know, and so it's like, it really can be sort of eye-opening for people and it starts to make them really examine what, why am I circling the things I'm circling and why am I not circling what I'm not circling? It's that first step in building self-awareness. It is, yeah. And that's why I was saying it sounds so simple, but it's not. Because, I mean, if you're at the point where you were very, very anxious, there's a lot of things that have happened or not happened to get you there. So you really have to, like, uh, go back to the very beginning. Like, let's start at what seems rudimentary, but it's actually not. Yeah. Well, and that is, it's funny that you bring that up. That is actually one of the things that I work with a lot with my one-on-one -on -one clients as well is being able to identify emotions and same thing will often work off a print off because a lot of people are so out of touch. You know, we weren't raised a lot of us to talk about emotions or to process our emotions. Many of us have learned to stuff. We've learned to numb. We've learned to run. We've learned to buffer anything but feel the feels. And that's our body speaking to us. And we're very disconnected in today's culture from our bodies, but we're learning the beautiful part of this conversation between you and I is I think we're circling back and we're starting to learn how much power there is in reconnecting with your body. And this whole energy conversation, it works. Like energy yeah. is everything, right? Yes. You are exactly saying, it sounds like we have a, a a lot of the same approach, which is so interesting because it's like we're kind of coming from maybe different backgrounds, but this is fundamental stuff that has to happen if people want to start making shifts in their lives. Like you have to do the basic groundwork or you can't, you can't skip over it. Yeah. Yeah. And often I think people want to skip over it because they think it's so basic. And it's so simple. It can't, it can't actually be that simple. It's got to be more complicated. Again, I think that's our culture. We, we want to overlook the simple things because we, we're just trained to go, okay, really? That's just too simple. Breathwork is a perfect example. 
again, that's where I start with a lot of my clients is just getting them calmed down and getting them out of that frenetic energy. And um, people just, they want to overlook it because it's like, well, there's, it just can't be that simple. But the power is in the simplicity of it. Yep, I agree completely. So why in your expertise and wisdom, Heather, is getting in touch with your emotions important? Well, that is, uh, like we said, the groundwork, right? So you have to be able to actually have a conversation and be able to describe and understand what you're feeling. Because just like you said, there are some next steps of, well, you have to actually allow yourself to process the emotion. And people have anxiety because they have, you used some of the exact words that I use. They've like shoved it down for so long. They don't know what they're feeling. They can't describe what they're feeling. They don't have their body's cues to tell them that they're feeling something. And so everything gets turned off and they're ignoring all of these things that are happening before the anxiety. And all they are experiencing at that point is the anxiety and thinking that that is it. But really the anxiety is a result of something else. And so it's like you have to backtrack and do all this work before that. And, and the energetic work that I'm doing with them does really help support this because it's like I said at the beginning, like sort of getting, um, removing root causes of reasons perhaps that they are not able to feel their emotions. Like maybe there was something that happened in childhood, you know, for example, or something like that. So it's not just situational to like, let's say their work, it's that I'm going to make up something here that when they were seven, you know, their grandma had a conversation with them about something. And then they took that to mean, you know, something about their lives. And then they've been playing that out like over and over and over, you know, these sort of like core occurrences and traumas really can be um, very impactful later in life. Very impactful. Our little meaning makers are on the go 24 seven. And if we don't learn how to get a handle and stop making meanings out of everything. Again, it's it's very uh, foundational. It's very, you know, groundwork. But yeah. understanding just that principle that from the time we are brought into this earth, we are just making meanings out of every little thing. Uh, second grade, first grade, I think it was. I, you know, was a smart little girl and I loved school and. I was so excited for school every day until I sat next to another little first grader who used to threaten to beat the snot out of me on the playground if I didn't share my math homework with him. And so the meaning that I made out of that, you know, rather than use my voice and go to one of my parents, rather than use my voice and go to the teacher and try to resolve this, I stuffed it. Of course, I was terrified. And I made meaning out of, do you see what happens when you stand out? Do you see what happens when you're smart? People want to hurt you. Like people don't like when someone stands out. It was sort of some of the meaning that I started to make around that. And then I carried that with me until I was, you know, for decades, <laughs> until I was able to finally go, oh, that's where that started. That's where that came from. Yeah, that's a perfect example. Exactly. It's like something that, and, so, and a lot of times people will know the thing, like you just said, they'll know like, yeah, I know in first grade, um, Billy used to be really mean to me, but that was first grade. Like what, that doesn't matter. That was first grade. So they, 
sometimes number one, like you said, don't know what it was, or if they do know it, they just totally discount it. But there is so much that was built up, like the little meaning makers that you said, like that is real. The meaning that you made out of it becomes like calcified. It's, it literally is stuck in there and it is like a little computer program in the background running the show. Yes. Absolutely. It's like a little movie clip that keeps mm-hmm. going that sometimes you're not even aware of. It, it gets lodged. What did you say? Calcified? Yeah. Calcified. That's I another word that. you use is lodged. Yeah. Calcified. Yeah. Cause you know, like that just makes you think like, oh, it's like all hardened up and uh-huh. yeah. And it sits in that subconscious mm-hmm. brain. And, and that's how we then carry that story. We kind of handcuff ourselves to that story without even always being aware of it. And that sort starts to rule our lives and it, starts to impact how we show up. Absolutely. It is exactly true. I mean, again, we, there are so many things we've had, like that could be the whole, a whole nother podcast. Right. right? Like, it yeah. totally could. It totally could. So I'm hearing you say, before we move on to step two, step number one is really identifying emotions. Right. Okay. Having and the, having me, the vocabulary, yeah, to describe them. Having the them. vocabulary. So share with the listeners and with me, if you wouldn't mind, Heather, what are some of the main emotions that you see come up for people? Oh my gosh. I mean, this is so varied. I, I wouldn't say there is a main one because that's why I mentioned there was a, you know, the emotional vocabulary is three columns, right? So it's like probably 60 uh, words for emotions that are on the sheet. And even when I look at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is missing so much. So I don't think that it is um, so much what they describe their, like the individual, it's more that they would kind of bucket them, right? Into little buckets of this is what I'm feeling that's positive, or this is what I'm feeling that's negative. And being able to discern, well, how much of my day am I in like a positive state or how much of my day am I in a negative state? And, um, and then being able to determine, well, if I'm in this quote unquote negative state, well, was it when I was at work? A lot of times it is right. Or is, am I feeling this when I'm at home? So then they can start to figure out the patterns. Like I said, that emerge that they tend to notice their specific people or situations, right. That are like where these little buckets of emotions are occurring. Yeah. They're triggers. Yep. Exactly. Super important to be aware of who, what is triggering you. And then once you're aware, then you're able to do work around that by either, you know, eliminating those triggers completely if possible. If not, you know, maybe just putting a boundary, whatever that might look like. But awareness is like, it's awareness is 80% of the work, I swear. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And because we've said these things are hidden and it's like when they come to the surface, it's like it just shines a light on something. And then you can be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea that's what was back there that's what's running the show. Now I can do something about it. Now I can do something about it. Exactly. Okay. So getting a handle on your emotional vocabulary, step one, step two. So I do want to uh, talk a bit about like the vibrational state of emotions because um, some people aren't aware of this. So uh, emotions can either be contracted or like low level, low frequency, or they can be very high vibration or expansive. So let's talk about like the really low vibration. Oftentimes, I'm sure you've heard this phrase like, oh man, that's heavy. (laughs) That's because those contracted and really like low vibration emotions don't feel good. And oftentimes they literally feel heavy. 
And then when we're talking about these really expansive emotions, those feel good and those are very high vibration. And that's where that phrase like, oh, it's high vibe. That's where that comes from. And so when people start to be able to realize, okay, I was feeling, um, I had anxiety or was feeling jealous, they can start to see where on a scale, because you can actually look up these scales, where on the scale of frequency and vibration they were. So if you're down feeling ick, like you're feeling fear or you're feeling jealous or you're very worried, you're on like the lower end of the scale. And when you're at the higher end of the scale, that's when you're feeling really like full of hope or enthusiasm. Um, gratitude, by the way, is the highest frequency emotion that you can feel. And so it helps them to figure out, okay, I'm feeling these lower level vibrations. And then you can like think of it as a ladder. It's if you are in the middle of feeling fear and you tell somebody like, Hey, I know you're really scared right now, but you should be grateful. <laughs> so like, You're not going to just jump up to being feeling gratitude. But what you can do is probably climb up the ladder one or two sort of rungs in terms of the scale. Like, okay, yeah, I'm really scared right now, but could I, could I get up to maybe feeling sad instead? Or could I maybe move from fear into being like feeling worried about something? That doesn't sound that, that difficult, right? Because we can worry about lots of things. So it's like, can you get yourself up a little bit? And can you keep climbing up the ladder, um, which maybe you can do in a day? Uh, maybe you can, you know, if you're really good at this, you could probably shift um, in an hour or two. And then the more you practice, you can actually do it quicker and quicker. Um, but I know your next question is probably like, well, how do you climb the ladder? And it really is doing anything that makes you feel good. Because this is really unique for people like, you know, I'm sure you know somebody who loves to dance, right? It's just like, oh my gosh, she's crazy for dancing. Well, it's because it makes her feel great. And then there's other people who like to garden or, you know, it's so unique to each person. I will tell you for me, um, I have to exercise. I would be a basket case if I did not. So that's a great way for me. If I find myself feeling like kind of ick, it's like, oh my gosh, I just need to number one, get outside. So being like in nature is really helpful for a lot of people. But then I also just need to move my body because then when I'm moving my body, it like helps me process stuff. And so when we recognize that we are feeling specific low level emotions, we just have to rely on the things that make us feel better. And that's a way to shift into another level that's higher climbing the emotional ladder. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love giving the listeners um, just this idea around, we don't jump from A to Z, you know, and, and again, it's a lot of people think that it's this black or white thinking. It's if this, then that, no, no, no. It's let's just move from A to B. <laughs> yeah. Let's just move from A to B. And I think that produces hope, right? Because it's, it's doable. It's manageable. And doing anything that makes you feel good, I, I tell you what, I am such a big fan more and more of levity. Levity for the win. All pressure is self-inflicted and it is just gross and constrictive and heavy and draining and exhausting. And so finding something, and I'm right there with you, I'm out in nature walking every day. And I don't even walk for the calories. I just walk for the mental bandwidth. 
I just have to be one with nature every day and just move that energy in my body. It just makes me so happy. I dance. Dancing is one of my favorites. I've got high vibe playlists. Um, so anytime, anytime I'm ready to do a Facebook live or teach something or step into a coaching call, a lot of times I will just put that music on, I'll blare it and I will dance for two or three minutes. And I know some of the listeners are probably going, why is she crazy? <laughs> but it just puts you into that beautiful high vibe state where you can start to see possibility and see opportunity and feel light and feel free and happy and ease. Ease is, is a big word for me. Um, ease, peace. I just want to feel ease and peace every day. Yeah. I love, I love the things you said, you know, for me also, there's some specific people that I know that um, make me feel better when I talk. Cause I'm a processor with my mouth. <laughs> like I have to talk it out sometimes. And it, it can't be like, I remember last week there was something, an interaction I had with someone and I was annoyed and I acknowledged that I was annoyed. And you know, it was my natural tendency to like want to shift out of it. And I was like, I can't until I process this and to do this, I have to talk about it. And so I have specific people that I call that, yeah, they'll let me complain a little bit, but I also know that they're going to be real with me. Right. And that's not just me complain, complain. And where they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's, they're going to let me say what I need to say, but then they're also going to give me some counter thoughts, you know? And so it's like, we're having a real conversation. And those are the people that I actually appreciate because that is what I need is to process it and have someone give me some alternate views or things that I may be missing who also knows me well enough to be like, yeah, Heather, but you kind of have a tendency to be this way, like calling me on my stuff. You know? <laughs> yes. The accountability and support mm -hmm. is huge. And you said something else that just popped out at me like crazy because it is something that I am sort of passionate about right now. And that is this whole concept of shifting into positive Pollyanna. And mm -hmm. that's not reality all the time. And I think that I believe I've, I've kind of a strong opinion about this. That is where personal development has, has gone wrong a little bit in that it can't always be about just shifting into positive Pollyanna immediately. There are times where we just have to feel those feelings and allow them to get up and out, up and out. Everything is better up and out. You know, I, I always talk about when my son went to college, he went to Florida to, to go to college, which is 1500 miles away from us. And when he walked over that threshold, I mean, I thought my life was over and I cried so hard for three days straight. I had scabs forming around my eyeballs and people kept telling me, well, you should be grateful. You should this, you shouldn't feel that way. And we can't should on people when it comes to feelings. I needed to sit in that. And after day three, I finally looked at myself in the mirror and went, all right, let's get on with life because you're a leader and you got shit to do. <laughs> like you got to handle yourself and shift out of this. Uh, people need you. You need you. Your family needs you. You you can't stay in this forever. But what I really want to point out is once I was able to just get it up and out of my body and identify what I was feeling and grieve, then I was able to shift. And then from there on out, we'd put him on a plane when he'd come home to visit or if I'd go down to Florida to visit and I didn't bat an eyelash. I mean, not another tear was shed. And I really believe that that was because I allowed myself to process fully when he first went to college yeah. and didn't all, you know, didn't buy into the, oh, you should just shift into being happy. You should just shift into being grateful. 
no, no, no. Let your body do what it needs to do. Yeah, that is exactly what I was going to say. You just illustrated. It's like if you only processed part of the way, then you would have still had to process it later and it probably would have made it worse. It would have really lengthened it out. And so it was better to just do it all at once. And this is where, you know, we are having this conversation of um, recognizing when you are low vibration and not thinking it's okay to stay there forever. Um, because then that's kind of the equivalent of just complaining. That's why I was trying to illustrate. I needed to process with my friend. I was not calling to complain. There was a difference. It was like, I'm annoyed right now and I'm going to acknowledge why I'm annoyed. And I'm going to tell you all of the details. And then through the talking to her, it was helping me to actually be in annoyance. And she said, it's fine that you're annoyed. Like she gave me permission to be annoyed. And then I really thought about it for the, the rest of the day and analyzed even more like, what exactly is it that I'm annoyed about? Like I let myself be in the annoyance and then was wondering, well, what is it that's really making me be annoyed, right? Like I'm having this response. It could be something else. I could be sad about what this conversation was with this person, but no, it was annoyed. So why is that the emotion that I like clung on to? And so then there was the processing of it that took about probably to like a total of two days. And I knew I'd get out of it, you know, but I did let myself, like, I gave myself permission to be annoyed for two days. Yes. I did that last week. I had just a really down day and I've done this work long enough to know that I needed to sit there for a day and it's not fun. I mean, it doesn't feel great. Right. But I knew that if I just allowed myself and, and asked myself the questions, and this is why I have a coach and this is why I believe every human either needs a coach or a mentor or a support team, even a team of one, somebody that, like you said, won't allow them to just sit there forever, right? Because it's not also about sitting there forever because that's stepping into victim and blame and hopelessness and all of those, you know, really heavy, heavy emotional states. But just to say, you know what? I hear you. I see you. And what do you want to do with this? Where are we going from here? Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So number one, emotions. Start to name them. Start to be able to identify Number two, do anything that makes you feel good. Love that. Step number three. Oh my gosh. Um, I would just say that uh, it's important for people to understand where in their body they feel an emotion. Um, these things are all intertwined. So I feel like we're kind of having a circular conversation, but when you have an emotion that you need to process, oftentimes you're going to feel it in a specific part of your body. And if you've become numb to it, then you don't really notice it anymore. But like one, the most common place that my clients feel anxiety, as an example, is in their chest. Their chest feels really, really constricted or tight, and they oftentimes have trouble breathing. Mm. So, but it's not until they really become focused uh, if it's like, le if it's a lesser sensation, they don't notice sometimes that their breathing is constricted, right? It's only when it gets so bad that they're, that they're like, oh my gosh, I can't breathe that they notice it, but it started before that. And so I, I just tell people that you've really got to start to notice in your body where you feel something. And so it's like, if you have the vocabulary to name an emotion, then I ask them, well, how did you know that you were feeling it? And oftentimes 
without them even realizing they'll be like oh my gosh well because I felt really nauseous and they'll like touch their stomach or they'll be like oh because like my jaw started to feel tight and you know like touch their jaw and so it's like yep your body was giving you signals all along and if you start to pay attention to them then you can learn to process the emotions and then again that's where that emotional ladder can really come into play that I just described love that and again it goes back to so much of this work is all about slowing down and stepping into self-awareness. It's, it's actually that simple. It is. And it takes a lot of work. I mean, I know some of the things that we've described, they can seem simple or when you do them at first, it sounds simple, but then you start to do it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually harder than I thought. <laughs> but then when you do it more and more frequently, it becomes easier and easier. It just requires some commitment, especially at the beginning. And like, if we're talking about that emotional ladder, which I definitely would um, encourage your listeners to go and look up like emotional frequency chart so you can see what I'm describing. And it's called frequency because apparently you can measure emotions with like a Hertz frequency. But it's like when you start to do all of this work more and more often, it gets easier. But then also in terms of like being fearful or being jealous, those lower level emotions, you actually won't dip down into those very often anymore because you just are become so skilled that you just stay up in the higher range naturally. Yes, yes, exactly. And it's, and even if you do, you know, step into some of those lower frequencies once in a while, because I always say we're humans, we're not robots. There's something there for us to learn. You know, if you see um, somebody run by you with beautifully sculpted biceps and a six pack and you feel jealous, I always say, well, there's a little something there for me to, to pay attention to. Like, is there an area in my health and wellness maybe where I'm kind of cheating on myself and I'm not showing up for myself? Now, I don't need to have the six pack, um, but maybe maybe I'm not showing up for myself fully like I'd like to in the area of health and wellness. And so what does that mean for me? What actions might I need to take to get myself up and moving to have what it is I want in that component? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Yeah. Draws, yeah. Shines a light again on, on some things that need to be paid attention to. Yes. But you're totally right. It's the, the, the lower vibe don't come quite as often and you're able to really navigate through them when they do come faster. And people will often say to me, gosh, you know, this seems like a lot of work. Isn't this a lot of work? And my answer is always no. The way I lived before all of this work was a lot of work. <laughs> that I was heavy, that, yeah. right? I mean, that was hell. That was hell on earth to be sitting in frenetic energy, to be sitting in victim and blame and apathy and not realize that I had the power within me to change it all. That's misery right? And so right. does this seem at first like maybe a little bit of work and effort? Of course, I get that. I'm not discounting that, but it's so worth it. It's the best work you'll ever do. And it's the work of your life because when you start to see things different, you start to show up different and you become different. Yep. I love it. Yeah. All yeah. right. So where can all the people that are listening find you? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Uh, the best way is my website, which is theenergysynergist.com. Awesome. And we will have the link 
to you and all the other platforms. I know you're on social. We'll have those in the show notes and people can just reach out to you if they have any more questions. This has just been a really powerful conversation and I know that it's going to serve the listeners really, really well. So thank you so much for your time, Heather, and for being here today. Oh yeah, you're welcome. And I thank you too. Okay, my fine female leaders, I have a couple of things for you before you go. First and foremost, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. If you are someone who is finding a lot of enjoyment and a lot of value from this podcast, please, first and foremost, the most important thing you can do is to share this with somebody that you know would also love the opportunity to lean into this pod. Second, totally give us a rating and review. There is nothing that helps us get seen more than you sharing a rating and review. It helps spread the word about the pod so that other female leaders can really step into their kick-ass life. Secondly, I've got an amazing opportunity for you, and it is called The Power of You. I am hosting a kick-ass webinar on September 3rd at noon, Central Standard Time. Here's why you want to be there. We are going to harness the power of you. We're going to harness the superpowers that you already have within you to really create the life that you crave. We are going to talk about how to energetically meet your future self, living the life that you've been dreaming about. We're going to talk about the four hidden energy blocks really are probably holding you back from creating a life you love. They're holding most people back and they don't even realize it. We're going to talk about a couple of the different types of energy at play in every single decision that you make and how you show up in the world. And we're going to talk about, last and not least, but not least, I should say, how to harness the power of you. Because yes, yes, you are that powerful. And when you start to just shift this one energy block, you're going to start to notice how much better you feel because you're taking action and you're seeing the world differently. And when you see the world differently, you show up differently. So link to sign up for that will be in the show notes. Get your seat because it is going to be hot, hot, hot. And you don't want to miss the opportunity. You want to be there. I promise you, you want to be there. So as always, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next time.